0: Hey, guys. Dr. Allison Bremner here with Cultivating Success. This podcast is for students and recent grads, and my goal with the podcast is to help shift the mindsets of chiropractors to be more successful and more happy. So today, episode nine, we're going to give you what you want. So I've posted some questions, asked me some questions. And we're going to answer some of those today on the podcast. And first of all, I'm really appreciative. Thank you everyone for all the questions. There were more than we have time to answer today. So every couple of months, I'm going to go ahead and do an episode and give you guys what you want and answer the questions that you have to my best ability. And so we're gonna have a discussion today We're only going to be able to go over three of the questions, but if you guys have specific questions, you can always DM me on our Instagram page or email me, and I'll give you those details later, and I'd be happy to always answer any questions. I always make time to talk to students because I really want you guys to be successful, and I'm open and here to help you in any way that I can. So I picked three that I got asked, and some of these actually got asked multiple times. So I thought it was very important to figure out how to help you guys with these questions. So let's get right to it. The very first question, actually, I got this question asked many times before, but what is a fair contract? I know you guys, if you're getting ready to graduate, I'm sure you've been talking to different grads. Have you have been thinking about Doing an associateship or doing an internship. You've probably been talking to maybe people that you've known that have graduated and what their contract was. And I know it's very confusing. And unfortunately, I don't have a great solid answer, but I do have some things that I want you guys to think about when going into a contract. So I'm going to say that it depends. I think one contract that might, might not be very good for somebody could be great for someone else. So again, we talk about knowing yourself and understanding what makes you happy. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. So before we talk about numbers, of what I would just give an overall fair example of numbers, Let's talk about what makes you happy and thinking about getting a job. So, first of all, I would highly recommend trying to find a job in a place that you actually want to live because you could have an amazing job but on your downtime if it's somewhere that you don't like and you know, you don't feel a part of the community, well, I just I don't think you're going to last very long. Yeah, maybe if you took an internship where you're just kind of learning because you're really interested in that office and that doctor, that would be great, but I would think that over time if you want to stay longer than a year, or two years, which I would recommend staying longer than a year in an associateship position, you're just not going to really love eventually where you're living. And so it's going to come through when you're in the office, you're going to not feel happy, you're going to be sluggish, it's very hard to give really good care when that's happening. So you know, it's not just the salary. I think that a lot of students are like, what salary is great? And the thing is, if you just chase numbers, you chase a salary, but you don't ask any other questions, you will be miserable at that job. I guarantee you that if you just go, oh, this one's $90,000, great, I'm going to take this. Well, you got going to ask a couple questions first before you take the position. And I'm not saying there could be a position that's available that is offering you that and you fit very well into the office. Awesome. That's gonna be a great combination for you and the doc. But man, you gotta ask some different questions, not just on the numbers that you're making. And I please please hear me, I'm not saying that money doesn't matter. In fact, it matters a whole lot. And that's why I do this podcast. But you need to understand every aspect when you're taking that job. Now during this discussion, we're gonna do a couple things right now. One, I'm I'm gonna kind of rip on the doctor's offering position because I think that there's a lot of really unfair contracts, unfair positions. But hey, guess what? We're also going to talk about you recent grads and your unreasonable expectations and your absurd thought process when graduating because I've heard a lot of things that some students say and it's just it's wackadoodle. It's crazy. So we're going to talk about both sides and hopefully we can figure out a good fair contract for both the associate and for the doctor. So fair enough. Is that good? Let's talk about what to look for in a job. And so this is my opinion. This is my personality that's that's integrated into this. So maybe this is not you, but you can kind of think about it for yourself. So the first thing is I would look to see if you have autonomy and you enjoy your life because let's let's face it, a lot of these jobs where their salaries are eighty, ninety thousand dollars right out of school, these jobs are working you 60 hours a week. Very little time off, probably no time off. And I personally think that this is ridiculous if you want to take this kind of job. I mean, I talk with Dr. Colby a lot because since she is now in her second year, there's a lot of her classmates and they, you know, they'll get together sometimes. For example, she was at a wedding. And one of the uh, girls there was like, how did you get the whole because she stayed there for the whole week? It wasn't just like, you know, one day of the wedding. Her friend was there only for one day because she had to put in to get like one day off. She had to put it in like three weeks in advance. She argued and argued and argued with the doc. And finally, they gave her one day off. And when this girl was like, hey, Colby, how did you get this time off? She said, I told Allison I was going to a wedding and I was like, great, have fun. Because she has autonomy in the office, meaning that if she wants to go do something, I mean, within reason, obviously, she, she never came into the office and wasn't doing well. She wouldn't have as much flexibility, but the reality is she's going to dictate when she wants to take vacation and when she wants to take time off, because it's important to me that she really is enjoying her life. Now, I talk to you guys all the time because, like I said, I'm always open for students to call me. And you know, I I hear this a lot, which is that they're working in a job right now and they're miserable because they don't have any time for themselves. I recently just talked to this guy. He's basically his his body's beat up because you know they're seeing fifty patients a day. I mean, he's making decent money, but he's just miserable and he wants to get out of the job. So you know, if you look at just money alone and not, you know, your lifestyle, I think it's going to be tough thing for you. Another thing that you're going to want to ask the doc who's hiring you is how do you get new patients? Now, is it up to you to bring all the patients in or is the office providing them? This is super important because it's the number one thing that is the hardest thing for new grads, especially if you're not from the area, you're basically starting from zero. And it's just, it's funny to me how, Docs hiring are just like, well, you just go get patients. That's what I did. I just went and got patients. It was hard. So it should be hard for you, which I think is the most ridiculous thing. It's like hazing back when I played college basketball. It's like they make the freshmen carry the water. You couldn't take a shower till the end. It was all this like ridiculous hazing. And like, why would you do that? And it was like, oh, well, I had to. Like, that's the only reason it was hard. I had to do it. You have to do it. And I really think, you know, if we are trying to support chiropractors, especially the newer chiropractors, man, you got to give them an opportunity to succeed probably easier than the opportunity was for you to succeed. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still work involved. And of course, you want to hire somebody that's going to bring positive energy into your office. But it, it can't just be hard just because it was hard for you that's ridiculous. That's not a place that's going to be something that's going to, that's going to be beneficial for both of you. So I think that that's super important. You know, I saw this post yesterday and it said, busy office wants to bring in an associate all weekends in October book for spinal screening. So you can build your own patients. And I'm like, who the hell would that be? Like, Oh me, I'll raise my hand. I would love to have every single weekend in October book for spinal screening. So I could do that to build patients. If you haven't listened to my podcast. Then I'll let you know right now, I am very against spinal screenings. I think it's ridiculous. I think that it makes us look like fools. You know, we talk a lot about in chiropractic why does only 10% of the population see chiropractors? And you always get these answers like, we just need to be more passionate, or they just don't get it, or like we don't have a big marketing budget, so we can't advertise like pharmaceutical companies. But the real answer is that people think chiropractic is weird and you're a bunch of weirdos. And when you're at a spinal screening with your spine, chasing people down saying, come get your spine checked. They think that's weird. And the people that come into your office, that's the 10% that you get from a spinal screening. That is the 10% that already wants to come to see a chiropractor. You're not making any movement on the needle at all. And you look like a fool. Now, if you, if you just want to do spinal screenings because you love them, great. I'm not here to stop you, but there's a better way just because you can get patients at something like that doesn't mean necessarily that you should be. And I will tell you, it is soul sucking for a new grad because they are trying to to learn what they need to do and they're 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 already insecure about what they know and people are jerks to them you know they say mean things you're out there being like no I don't want to get my spinal screen like get away from me and they just like you're chasing them down I just think that it is not great Your new associates. That's that's enough. I'm probably could do a whole podcast on why spinal screenings are the absolute worst thing that chiropractors do. But let's not go ahead and dwell on that. But I would be careful of an office that that's the only way to get a patient. Now, hey, if they're doing like two big events a year, that's fine. You know, I'm talking about like you're doing a spinal screening every single weekend. You will not survive that. That is going to be super taxing for you. So, in my opinion, the office should be providing you with 60 to 70 percent of your new patients, especially in the beginning. Now, as you know, I love SEO. So search engine optimization, which is your online referral process. I am not talking about Facebook ads. That's not the same thing I'm talking about when someone Googles headache treatment, vertigo treatment, back pain, whatever they're going to Google to find you. And your office comes up as number one patients at that point, that person is ready to buy. So in my office, that is the system that I have for my associates. So basically someone Googles a condition they find our office they make an appointment super super easy now i'm not saying that there aren't different systems that work And if you have a system that brings in patients consistently to the office, great. That's awesome. I'm not saying online marketing is the only way. I'm saying it's probably the best way and the easiest. But if you're an established office and you already have a system, all I care about is that that new associate that's coming in is given patients. Yes, given patients, not they have to go get them themselves. Now, should they go go get patients themselves as well with marketing, networking events, those types of things, maybe some health talks in the office? Great. I'm all for that. But if that's the only way that they can get patients, it's going to be a struggle. And the number one reason that new grad struggle is getting new patients because that is the hardest part of business. I don't care if you're a chiropractor, you're a barber, you're an auto mechanic, service-based industries, that is the hardest thing is getting new clients. And so as you know, I do a lot of talks on marketing and things like that and knowing your ideal client and target market. The reality is that as an office hiring an associate, they should help their associate with that. So let's talk about money. And I've had students say, I've given talks, I've had students literally say, I won't take a job less than 90,000 salary my first year. Wow. Who do you think you are? This student is going to get slapped in the face. And I, either I mean, like, if they do find a job like that, it's going to be miserable. And two, like, who do you think you are? You know, it's like, oh, I went to a bunch of seminars, so I deserve to be paid this amount of money right out of school. When the fact is you don't know what the hell you're doing. So a couple things to think about. Number one, do you know how much a medical doctor makes as a resident their first year? 62,000, that is the average U.S. MD. Now, how about lawyers? What do you think that their average entry-level position is? 52,000. Now, the reason that these people make that low of money and are okay with it is because they understand, especially in your first year, you're getting paid in knowledge. So yes, you should be getting compensated enough to live, but you're also getting paid in that knowledge. And I'll tell you, your first year in practice, you learn so much. You learn about chiropractic, you learn about business, and hopefully if you're in the right office, you learn about yourself and who you are and what you want and what makes you happy. And again, I'm all for making a ton of money and that's why this podcast is here. But you got to understand, man, your first year, it's going to it's gonna be some learning process and you're going to be learning a lot, but you're going to be learning these lessons for the rest of your life and you're going to be making a whole lot of money. But you got to put your dues in a little bit because, you know, like I said, on the doctor side, I kind of rip on them being like, hey, man, you got to provide a good opportunity and environment for these students. But as a student, man, I, I think you got to take a little dose of humbleness because I've seen some some students come out and they don't fit in the office because they just, they they think that they deserve and are entitled to a certain thing. And I think that maybe you got to be open to learning. And, you know, I've seen jobs that say, I have seen like 85,000 a year, and but those jobs are most likely no vacation, no autonomy, you don't matter. Your pain doesn't matter. Your life sucks. But hey, if you are only concerned about salary, go for it. Like, if you're just like, hey, man, I, I got to make $9,000 on my first year and I don't care about any of those other things, go for it. Maybe for you, that would be good. But I will warn you that I've talked to many students after their first year. They don't want to be a chiropractor anymore because they're so burnt out, even though they're making good money. And so I don't want that to happen to you or to any other chiropractor. I want us to be happy and passionate, helping people and making a whole lot of money. But hey, in your first year, some of it is a learning process. Now for me personally, I would never take a salary job. I would never take a job saying that this is your salary. This is how much you make. That's it. Now there's safety in salary, but my highest value, I'll I'll tell you safety is probably my lowest, my lowest value. My highest value is freedom. I care about freedom more than anything else. I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. So I think That instead of a salary job, I really like percentage based jobs, maybe a low base salary with percentages or with bonuses, whatever it is, I really think that the most fair way for a new grad. So if you're looking at a contract, looking at that, you get percentages and you get rewarded for the for more patients that you bring in, the more collections that you have, because that's incentive. That's the kind of person I want working in my office. We're going to support you, but I'm hoping that you have incentive to do better and that you get rewarded the better that you do because the office does better and the associate does better. So the joint's a great example of a burnout. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that you could take a job at the joint and man, you're going to get some good skills. You do so much adjusting your first year, but there's no, I mean, I'm not going to say no possible way, but like your body seeing that many people and not able to have any autonomy I mean, I guess it depends on what franchise you're working at. That's just not going to be something that's going to sustain for a long period of time. And if you've talked to, I mean, go ahead and talk to some of your classmates that have worked at the joint. What do they all say that, you know, by the end of the day, they can't even go do anything when they get off because their body hurts so bad that they're like icing all their joints. They're laying in a dark room because they're just miserable and they hurt, you know? So, I mean, again, you could be a person that you're like, that sounds awesome. I just want to, you know, see as many people as possible in a day. And I don't care, I won't get burnt out. Great. But understand that that's what you're that's what you're set up for. Now I think the sweet spot is fair percentages. So that's how I pay my associates. I start them at 40% and they go up to 55%, meaning they take home 55% of what they collect. The office brings them 70 to 80% of their patients, maybe even more than that. And of those new, you know, those new patients that come in, hopefully the associate really your biggest job is to get referrals and multiply those new patients coming in. I used Dr. Colby a lot because she is my associate currently. She's never done a spinal screening ever. I don't think she even knows what a spinal screening is or even what what to do if she had to do one. But what she's really good at is when the patient comes in, she provides great care, great communication, and then multiplies that patient by getting referrals. And that's how the systems worked really well. And she really works about three and a half days a week. So what's really important for Colby, because her highest value happens to be freedom as well. And I have talked to Colby. She's okay with me sharing. So thank you, Colby, for letting me share kind of her experience in the office. So she works Tuesday, Wednesday, half day, Wednesday. So afternoon, Wednesday, Thursday, half day, Friday in the morning. That's her work schedule. And the reason that she wants to work that is because on Monday she has off and she goes skiing. And I'm not sure if you've been skiing in Colorado, but man, the lines are insane and the traffic is insane on the weekends. But if you go on a weekday, you basically have the mountain to yourself. So she goes and does adventures and basically has a three-day weekend every single week, even more than that, right? Because she only works the morning on Friday. So her first year, she made $60,000. But you have to remember, you have to remember that her first four months, she was building up the practice. So when she got past month four, she was bringing home more like 6500 a month. Which if you calculate that out, that's around seventy-eight thousand a year. And I would really encourage you to start looking at your life at monthly expenses, monthly cash flow. So people who have investments and people who are wealthy really look at their monthly cash flow expense. Because a year amount making money, that's arbitrary. We just made that up. Oh, from January to December, I'm just gonna talk about like that's how much money I made. But if you look at month to month and your expenses and how much you're making, that's really your lifestyle. And so, yes, her first year. She only made 60, but really it was the first four months if you took that away because she was slowly building that she then later started making a whole lot more money. Now, could she work more than three and a half days a week? Absolutely. I'm not telling her that she has to do that. She just really values adventuring in Colorado. And so if you ever have ever been to Colorado, it's a beautiful state. And so she wants to experience where she's working and lives. That's one of the reasons why she took the job is she wants to live in Colorado. Now she could be making you know, maybe a, say 85, $90,000, but working 60 hours a week, five days a week and doing no adventuring, I think she would take $15,000 pay cut to be able to have autonomy, love the patients that she's seeing and loves where she lives. Now, if she wanted to start working, let's say Saturday, for example, we just looked at our Google Analytics and we get some of the most phone calls on Saturdays. I think we're missing a lot of those. And you know what, neither of us, neither of us care, because neither of us want to take those calls on the weekends. So you know, we Yes, we're losing those patients. And if she wanted to, you know, pick that shift up, she's more than welcome to, I'm not going to tell her to do it. Now she has in the past where she's like, Oh, man, I want to go do this fun trip. And so she has something planned. So the month before she starts to work a couple Saturdays, and she makes she makes more money, because she has the autonomy to do that if she wants to. So I think that's really important in finding a job. So the simple question was like, what's a good salary out of school? I'm sorry, there's not really a great answer. I will say, you know, I think at least fifty to sixty thousand dollars, you're gonna be able to live. But I think what's more most important is that you have the ability to grow, that they aren't gonna cap your ability to make money, and that they're gonna support you in the office. Because if they don't do that, I don't care how much money they're gonna promise you, because it could it could go very badly. So. The second question I got, which I get asked this a lot because people know that I don't have a front desk person and I've been in practice for 12 years and I've never had a front desk person. And so people ask, well, how do you manage that? Well, quite frankly, it's very easy. And this is my personal opinion. So if this makes you mad, sorry, I think a front desk person is a waste of money. Now, that's not to say that I do everything because I definitely don't. I have a website person that does all my website stuff. So we're able to bring in patients. I have a digital design person, Kaylee. I mean, how do you think this podcast gets done and gets edited? I can't do it. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I just talk into this microphone and then she makes it all fancy and then makes all of you know, the designs for me because I think that that's where sometimes you hire a front desk person and they become your personal assistant, phone answering service, billing, social media. Per- it's like they aren't qualified, first of all, to do all those things. And two, most um, chiropractors don't want to handle the money conversation. Now, I'm going to talk about that in a second. but hiring someone to handle that, that's always going to be a problem for you later. And so our office, so we're cash only. So we don't have someone that is, we don't do billing. People pay uh, either upfront or they're on a monthly amount and we're not high volume. Now, don't get me wrong. You can be high cost meaning you can charge a lot and be high volume. I think it's total nonsense to say that you have to either choose to be high volume, low cost or low volume, high cost. I think you can be either whatever you wanna do. I personally, I just don't like to see a whole lot of people. I like to come to the office, feel fired up, see my people, go have my time, my fun and enjoy my life. That's how I wanna live. Has nothing to do with the ability to charge a lot and see a lot of people. I, I really think you can do both. So then the question is like, oh, what do you do about the phone calls? How do you do that? Well, I answer them. Now, why? Because I want to screen out the people and that I will not allow in the office. And I have a very high red velvet rope. I mean, sometimes it's amazing that patients even get into the office because I'm very, very picky on who I do my best service with. And I'll tell you, it's definitely not everyone. I will give you an example. This guy called. He wanted... I don't he he like was one of those people who was telling me about upper cervical and telling me how much he knew about it. I mean, right away, that's just not gonna be a patient that I want in the office because I I don't want some fool being like, let me analyze the scans with you and let me tell you how the last doctor adjusts me and let me tell you and I'm like, I do not want that in the office. And so immediately I knew that I was gonna refer him out. And I have friends, and my girlfriend who practices probably 20 minutes away from me, does upper cervical. And so the guy was like, oh, the last person I had was an AO doc and that was great and la, la, la. And so I was just, I just stopped him dead on. Hey, sounds like you really like an AO doc. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, I want to come see you. And I was like, no, you can't though. You have to go see an AO doc. And we argued for like two minutes about how he wanted to come in the office. And I just basically was like, no. And I sent him over because my girlfriend's a lot nicer than I am and can handle people better than I can when I find them difficult. And so I just texted her. I said, hey, this guy's going to call you. I think he's a little difficult, but I think he'll be a great patient for you. Now, what happened? He went to that office. He got new x-rays. He did everything. And he, bu- he prepaid a package. He, he bought a big package and he loved it there. And he <laughs> even said to her, it was like, oh man, th- that other doc was like, I don't know, didn't want me in the office. And I'm really glad I came here. But that's just, again, I knew for me that was going to be a problem, but for her, it was going to be great. And so that's the thing is when I take the phone calls, I can screen that out. I can make sure that every single person that I see on my schedule is a person that I am like super psyched to see them and it makes my day great. I give great care, they get great results because we're all happy in the office working together. Now, this is why the number one reason I think that chiropractors want to hire a front desk person is because they think that because they're a doctor, they do not have to have the financial conversation with the patient, which is ridiculous. Because when something is expensive, like if you've ever had a luxury experience, you are talking typically to the person, the highest person available making that sale to you because it is a luxury experience. So if you wanna charge a lot of money, which I highly recommend, that is my whole thing, is that chiropractors really under charge. If you wanna charge a whole lot of money, you are going to have to handle the money conversation. Now, I love handling the money conversation. It's super easy to me because it comes off when I'm talking to it as it's no big deal. No big deal. This is how much you should be paying. Now, here's the thing. If you have a front desk person, what you're doing is your limitation for how much you can charge is based on their mindset. You could never raise your price if the front desk person thinks that that's too expensive. Now, I do not want to limit on how much I can charge, what kind of people should be coming in the office. And then the other thing, you know, you get told this ridiculous lie in school that it's quote unquote unprofessional to not have a front desk person. That's absurd. In fact, when I answer the phone, the patient goes, oh my God, I'm talking to the doctor. And they love that. Why? Because they've been to the medical community that sends them to 20 people before they even get to ask a question to the doctor. So guess what? They're not surprised it's expensive. When I'm like, hey, this is $3,000. They're like, I thought it would be more because they were talking to you the whole time. They understood that it was a luxury service and they love it. They actually like that much better than having to deal with the front desk person. Now, if you get super busy, I can understand this. You're super busy and you need someone to answer the phone. Guess what? There's phone services for that. You don't have to have a front desk person. You can just hire a service out, give them your hours, and they will help you schedule people. Phone service. You know, another thing is you can have an online booking system. Now we don't have online booking system because I don't want some Yahoo be able to book uh, a time and come in. Now we can have an online booking system for current patients, for existing patients, that they can go on and book their time. So there's a lot of ways around this. I think that people think they have to have someone answering the phones. And hey, you can definitely get a service to do that. But I really think if you're going to spend money on someone helping you, I would spend it on something else. Someone who's a professional, right? I hear a lot of people like, oh, my front desk person just does that. And I'm like, really? Do they have a degree in online marketing? Do they have a degree in web design? Do they have education and social media? Oh, they don't. They're just making it up. Well, why are you paying that person to do that? That makes no sense. When you can actually outsource all of that for a lower price, not paying someone to sit And just answer phones, and you're going to get better results because the person that you hire out for it is actually trained in that. Is what they're supposed to do. Now, if you must, if you must, must, must have a front desk person for whatever reason, please handle the money situation, handle the conversation with the money. Now, you don't necessarily physically have to take the money; they can go to the front desk and pay. That's fine. But the conversation, answering their questions about the money, that's got to come from you. And if it doesn't, I understand why it doesn't because you're scared you have a money mindset issue. But man, if you can get over that, if you can fix that, then it's gonna make everything so much easier. You're not gonna have a confrontation with people. They're going to pay you, they're gonna be happy, and you can charge what you're actually worth and what chiropractic is valued at. Really important. Last question we're gonna talk about are red flags. I get asked this a lot. Like what's a what's a red flag in a contract that you should like run for the hills? Now, you know, I think that the contract itself I don't really know necessarily what a big red flag is. I've had a couple of things I'm going to talk about, but I think you're going to need to look at the overall office. So some red flags that I would say is, first of all, having someone run what I call ChiroMath on you. <laughs> what ChiroMath is, They'll in the contract, they're going to pay you a really low percentage, like 20%, right? And they're going to say, oh, but look, you make these big bonuses at these very high numbers. It's like, let's say 15, like once you start collecting $15,000, then you get a bonus or something and they make it look super easy. And they just like, will plug some numbers in the calculator and be like, oh, if you're seeing like 300 people a day and then this and this and this, and it's just, they make it sound like it's super easy, but the reality is you'll never reach those bonuses. And so you're always stuck at this lower percentage. You just got to be really careful of the chiro and like asking the, the biggest thing is, man, if they have an associate, a current associate, I would ask them how their experience is. By the way, if you ever want to ask Dr. Colby Wilson, her experience in my office, you are more than welcome to. I actually highly encourage you to do that so that you can know that what I'm saying is real. So I would say that's a big red flag, the chiro math. Now the second red flag, it's not just the contract, but I would say it's the whole plan in general. So if you're going to the office and they basically have no marketing plan, no systems, no expectations of you or the office, and that's not communicated, I would say run for the hills because that is going to be a disaster. And the reason it's a disaster is because most chiropractors hire somebody because they're really busy right? That's what they hear. Oh, I'm really busy. I need to hire another chiropractor. Well, here's the thing. That chiropractor who's really busy is probably too busy to make a plan, too busy to talk to you about expectations. So you get thrown into this chaotic, hectic, no system office. And yes, you may be seeing patients, but it's going to be so chaotic and so crazy that that's not somewhere you want to work. Now I hire people because I want to work less because I want to be in the office less. So guess what? We're not competing against each other for new patients. In fact, I want to give all the new patients to my associates. I don't want to see new patients anymore. I want to see them be successful. Now, don't get me wrong. You can work in an office where the, the doc is still super busy, but you got to make sure that they're not competing against you, that they're not trying to take those patients from you and that they have a plan in place for you. There should be a plan about everything. There should be a system for everything. This is how to answer the phone. This is how to lock up the office at night. This is what we do for birthdays. This is what we do with patients and how we rest them. This is the second day phone call. Whatever it is, there should be a system for every single thing. And if there's not, you might think that might be micromanaging, but if there's not a system, man, it's going to be chaotic in there and they're not going to know what's going on. So I would say that what you really want to do is when negotiating a contract, I would definitely talk to them about the systems involved when hiring, because if they don't know what they're doing, it's just going to be, you're going to be really quote unquote busy, but you're going to be putting fires out every moment. So you, you don't necessarily want that. So those are the three questions that we had that we went over today. What's a good contract? What's a good salary? Again, it depends. But I would say that you really want to make sure it's a place that you can see yourself being happy, expressing yourself 100% and really fitting in as a team member in that office. Front desk person, I think it's a waste of money. But again, there's no there's no one right way to do something. If you have to have a front desk person, you know that's fine please try to handle the money conversation. Red flags, make sure that there's a system, marketing plan, expectations, and they don't run some chiro math on you because that does happen from time to time. Well, that's it for today, guys. I really appreciate all the questions that you had. And if I didn't answer your question, please go ahead and send me a DM, Boulder Atlas Chiropractic. I will be happy to answer any of your questions. You can always find me on Facebook, message me there. I will try to get to you any way possible. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know what you'd like me to cover in a couple more months. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye.